Welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 73. I am your host, Avdi Grimm. And joining me today is Eric Farkas. Eric, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Eric, if you would uh, start us off with a little bit of introduction of, of who you are and what you're up to. Sure. Uh, I live in New York on Long Island uh, with my wife and uh, three kids and uh, currently uh, the lead Ruby developer by virtue of being the only Ruby developer uh, at a company called Talent Soup, uh, which is based in Savannah, Georgia. Cool. Now, you've got some history with working remotely, right? Yes. Um, in, a, in a previous life, I worked in the financial industry, first as a Java developer and, and then as a Ruby developer. And uh, one of the teams that I was a part of uh, was based in uh, – we had two developers in New York – two developers in London, and a number of developers in Bangalore, India, um, and was on that team for about a year working uh, working with those guys. So tell me about that experience. What was that like? It was really, really cool, first, because it was my first Ruby development job, uh, doing mostly Rails, uh, which was nice to, to be doing that in a professional context. But as far as the remote aspect, um, it was mostly good uh, with a few challenges. The challenges that we had centered mostly around, I guess, the cultural differences between uh, the guys in the U.S. and even the guys in London uh, over against the, the team that was located in Bangalore, India. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just some communication issues, things getting lost in translation, which, you know, when you're, when you're working remotely and you're in different time zones and you're not able to have a lot of live time and, and you know, you can't just pick up the phone and call these guys because it's 3 a.m. their time, mm-hmm. uh, that makes it a little bit challenging. So it was sort of two things working against us, the time zone disparity and the and the communication mm-hmm. difficulties. But uh other than that it was really, you know, really good experience. Um I learned a lot and um it was a good experience overall. Did you come across any strategies for coping with or offsetting the um the time zone disparities? Y- yes, they weren't probably the most efficient uh elegant solutions. Uh, most of them involved you know, waking up at weird hours, and <laughs> calling these guys from my house. I had a few times where, you know, we, were, we just could not get on the same page with a certain issue. And I went home from work, had dinner, uh, went to bed and woke up at 1 a.m. and, you know, VPN'd in and called these guys uh, in India. And we just hashed it out on the phone at, at 1 a.m. Eastern time, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably not, you know, the most elegant way and probably not the the best way to do that, but uh, that's sort of what we had to do. But um, right. most of the stuff that we had to talk about, we could do via email and uh, and GChat. Um, there was a little bit of overlap with the guys in India early in the morning, and the guys in London, we had overlap with them for most of the morning, probably through lunchtime. So, so that wasn't really a problem. Hmm. Okay. Did you? I mean, were there any issues? You mentioned that that there were some. Um, kind of cultural differences. Um, can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, I, I think it just had to do with the fact that English was not their primary language. And, um, you know, just in describing certain bugs that we were 
trying to work through or expectations we had in code that we were looking for, you know, those sorts of things, especially when you're using technical language. Right. Uh, some of that stuff kind of got lost in, in translation. So, um, you know, to be able to be looking at the same screen at the same time and saying, you know, uh, this query should return this result or this page mm-hmm. should look like this or this action should result in, in these sorts of things happening. To be able to share a screen uh, and do that was a lot more effective um, right. than, than talking about it or, or describing it through email. So. And did you do that? Did you do some screen shares? Yeah, we that, that was, I guess, one of the advantages of being able to log into my work computer from home you know, late at night in the early hours was just mm-hmm. being able to, to share screen like that. And that proved to be probably the most effective way to overcome some of those things, show rather than tell. Right. Did you ever send like screenshots or videos with your emails? You know, I never did videos, screenshots. Sometimes we would take a shot of the, the database, let's say uh, um, a certain query or uh, stored procedure or, you know, whatever kind of uh, data we were expecting to get back. We'd take a snapshot and say, all right, this is what I'm getting from, from whatever function or method I'm calling. This is what I expect to get. Uh, but most of, most of the time I'm trying to think back. I don't recall too much visual sharing via email. It was either screen sharing or, you know, textual emails. Right. Okay. And then since then, uh, well, you said you're, you're the only, uh, developer at your current position, but I guess, um, you know, there are other people at the company. Are they remote from where you are? Yeah, my the founder of the company in Talent Soup works uh, in Savannah, Georgia, and we had uh, another front end developer slash designer who uh, worked in lives in Southern California, and so it was the three of us for a while working together. Uh, the designer in in California left the company uh, to pursue some other opportunities, but. Yeah, so so for a while it was just the three of us working remotely. And in fact, I actually joined Talent Soup and worked for uh, the company for 18 months before actually meeting in person uh, the founder of the company. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, it was it was actually it's it's crazy when you think about it. But yeah, we we established a business relationship and built sort of a version one and and uh, you know all those sorts of bug fixes and product development and all that kind of stuff. Completely remote until uh, he he flew up in April of 2010, I think it was, to finally uh, meet me and hang out and just you know sort of get some FaceTime together. So, mm-hmm. so I want to hear more about that. I want to find out how you got hooked up in the first place and uh, and you know what it was like to come together like that remotely. Yeah, it, it's it's a sort of long story. I'll, I'll give you the short version. The, the short version is that I at the time um, was looking for sort of side work to augment my, my day job. And I started learning some, you know, other, other frameworks, other languages. This is just to sort of make myself, uh, a little more marketable as a, as a consultant. And so I was on Twitter. I think it was back in 2009. Yeah. About September 2009. I was on Twitter one day in the morning just before work scrolling through and saw. Uh, a tweet by a guy that I knew, I didn't know him in person. I just sort of had started following him because he was writing, his blog was interesting to me. Um, and he had a, put a tweet out that somebody he knew had a database that had crashed or something to that effect. And if anybody was interested, this might be a nice little, you know, sort of short job. And I, at the time was very hungry for, for side work. So I contacted him and he put me in touch with 
the founder of Talent Soup, mm. uh, who at the time had sort of farmed out uh, the building of version two to a consulting company, wasn't really happy with what uh, was finally delivered and was looking for somebody to come on. I think he realized at the time that um, he needed like a technical co-founder, somebody that was part of the company, not just, you know, some a hired hand, sort of a mercenary, I guess you would say. And so that that's how we, we met through a mutual connection. And we talked on the phone. And I think we just got a really good vibe from each other based on a lot of our shared worldview and, and sort of philosophy and the way we looked at building a business and the way we looked at life in general and prioritizing family and these sorts of things. And, mm. um, you know, I've, I've, I'm not that old, but I've been around enough kind of people to be able to tell if, if somebody's a good person or not. I think I have a good intuition. I just got a really good vibe from him and he got a good vibe from me. And, uh, we decided, you know, let's, let's sort of join forces. And mm. uh, like I said, you know, a year and a half before we actually were able to physically shake hands. Mm-hmm. And when you finally met him in person, did you discover that you couldn't stand him? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. He's a really, he's a really great guy. His name is Radford Harrell. Uh, he's a great guy, lives down in Savannah, has a beautiful family. Um, really cool, sort of laid back, southern, uh, you know, sl- slower pace, you know, this, the slower pace of life down south came with him when he visited me, and, and uh, he sort of calmed everybody in his uh, in his radius, which is good because as a New uh-huh. Yorker, I, as a New Yorker, I think I'm, you know, I have a natural bent toward just being aggressive and sort of uh, t- maybe too energetic all the time. <laughs> right. So. Right. Well, that's very cool. Um, yeah. What's it like in the the day to day? I mean, are you talking every day? Are you how how um, close is the communication? Well, I still have my, my day job, um, which precludes a lot of conversation during the day, although I'm close enough to, to home where I can come home for lunch and, and sort of log in and see if, uh, you know, any issues, any sort of stuff I need to look at immediately. But, um, you know, we do communicate via email and text message throughout the day. And, um, usually at night when I'm working or on the week, weekends, we're on iChat or Skype or whatever at the same time. Uh, but we talk at least once a day by phone and, as I said, send numerous emails back and forth and constantly communicating. I think that's sort of the only way to make a remote, you know, relationship work is to just have, uh, that asynchronous communication where you're, you're leaving emails, you're putting issues in GitHub, you're logging everything so that, you know, when the other person does have time and to, to look and sit down and, and look at what's, you know, what's been going on, they have a backlog and, you know, I don't always need to be at the computer or he doesn't always need to be at the computer for us to, to effectively communicate. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. You mentioned, uh, prioritizing kids. Was that kind of a shared value? And, and is that one of the reasons that you'd like to, to work more remotely? Without a doubt. Um, and that, first of all, that is a shared value between him and I. He has uh, two young children of his own, and I have three with one on the way. And that, that I think, is the biggest thing that sort of keeps me in the remote world. I mean, I, I when I was single and newly married, I had no problem, you know, commuting from wherever I lived on Long Island into the city or to Jersey City, New, New Jersey, as it happened to be toward the end of my, you know, commuting career. Mm. Um, I had no, I had no problem with that really, um, being young, but now that you have a family, I think, or, or I have a family, you know, the priorities shift a little bit and 
time with them is really prioritized. And if I'm going to spend time away from them, it should be working. And to think of a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour commute, which is really dead time. You can't really do anything on the train or in the car. Right. You know, I'd rather spend that time either working or spend it with them. So, Mm -hmm. And that's where I think remote work uh, really is valuable to me is just being able to make efficient use of my time and be around for my kids during the day and, and things of that nature. So you think moving forward, that's the kind of job that you're going to pursue? Without a doubt. I actually get uh, emails on a weekly basis from recruiters, um, you know, telling me about jobs in, in Manhattan, uh, New York City, and, and elsewhere in the area that are, you know, I, I guess the Ruby slash Rails market is really, uh, really hot right now and start mm-hmm. hiring. And the opportunities seem good and the companies seem good, but I just really will not sacrifice the time with my family, you know, to commute. And uh, I actually read some, something interesting the other day that New York City has like the second or third worst average commute in the nation, hmm. um, which is, you know, it just t- tells you what kind of what kind of life you're signing up for if you decide to, you know, live on Long Island and, and work in Manhattan. And I just, you know, I won't. No amount of money is going to move me to to give up that time with my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. <laughs> The, this news about, you, you might have seen this news about Yahoo. Yes. Uh, they, uh, they just, this is kind of topical. They, they just announced that they're canceling everybody's work from home privileges. Right. And, uh, and everybody has to start working from the office by June or, or find a new job. What do you think of that? I, I don't know. The cynical side of me says it's sort of a, a passive aggressive way to get people to quit and maybe call, call their workforce. I, I don't know, but. Yeah. I think it's kind of a little bit disingenuous. I mean, it's, it seems, it seems a little messed up to take that privilege away from people. It's one thing if somebody signs up for a job knowing, you know, either I can work from home or I can't work from home, but right. to, to have given them that privilege and then take it away, uh, seems really harsh to me, especially since, you know, they have offices, you know, on the West Coast and here in New York City and, you know, it's, it's tough commuting in those areas. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and I was just reading that the uh, the CEO who you know who decided on this new policy, she actually had a uh, a nursery yes <laughs> added added to her office at at the office um, at her own expense right um, so you know she's able to I guess bring home to work right but that isn't really a possibility for everyone yeah I mean we'd all like to have the financial wherewithal to do something like that but it's, it's right. not possible yeah it's you know that's the sort of thing that you know if, if i were an employee there i think i'd be shaking my head to to read something like that but uh you know well it, it's probably not easy right now to be uh, an employee at yahoo <laughs> yeah i don't know it kind of seems like maybe it hasn't been for a long time so yeah i'd agree with that <laughs> <laughs> so uh what kind of advice would you have uh to somebody who is listening to the show and is thinking, I'd sure like to have one of them remote jobs one of these days. I really think, you know, for me, it comes down to being very principled, I would say, and and insisting on on that in your job search. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, being very clear at the outset what your expectations are when you're talking to a recruiter or, you know, someone at a company. And I think it's good to sort of, get that out from the outset that, you know, I'm only going to accept remote jobs or I'm only going to look for remote jobs. And, and the interesting thing is when I, 
when I started to develop this conviction and I decided, you know, my, my next job is going to be completely remote, sort of my next day job. That's when I discovered your podcast and that's when I discovered a lot of resources that, that are geared toward remote work and, mm. and, you know, you sort of learn how to look for remote jobs on the 37 Signals job board, let's say, or right. some other job boards that are out there. There's a whole subculture, I guess, that I didn't realize existed, you know, before I, before I was looking. So I think, you know, it's one of those things of, just searching and keeping your eyes open and, um, you know, having high standards, let's say, for lack of a better term. Yeah. I think people respond when you, when you put it in terms of, you know, having certain values and, and sticking to that, you know, and certain things that you're passionate about, like, you know, you're, you have certain values of, of spending time with your family and, and, um, you know, spending more time on work, less time on, on, you know, the busy work of commuting. I think people respond to that. Um, you know, I think it's, it's one thing to say, I demand this. Right. You know, I demand this perk. But it's, it's very much, a, it's another thing to say, you know, these are my values and I'm looking for a position that supports my values, you know, and that right. celebrates my values rather than, than, uh, trying to impose a different set of values. And I think, I think, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm, um, over optimistic, but I think people <laughs> respond to that. Yeah. And, I've always taken the view that I don't, I don't mind working hard and I don't necessarily mind long hours, you know, when they're necessary. I mean, you know, we all like to imagine that, you know, if we were to plan our projects correctly, we wouldn't have to put in, you know, the long hours or, or the final push. But sometimes, you know, things get away from you and it requires a couple of late nights and I'm not averse to that at all. I don't think that, you know, wanting to work remotely necessarily means I don't want to work hard or I only want to work a couple hours a day. I have no problem with hard work. I actually value really hard work, which is why I think, you know, working remote, I think it dovetails nicely with working remotely. You know, mm -hmm. you can tell a prospective employer, listen, I value my family. I value working hard. I don't mind working late, but you know, if I'm going to be working late, it'd be nice when I'm done to just, you know, step out of my office and, and there are my kids instead of stopping work at, eight, nine o'clock and now I have an hour commute ahead of me and I'm not getting home till late. You know, it's, yeah. And I, I, I think like you said, that's probably a little more easier to swallow than just saying, yeah, I just want to work from home. I demand to work from home so I can goof off or, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more about what you want out of, you know, what you want your life, your life to look like than, than just, you know, I want to work in my bathrobe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although that is comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Eric, this has been this has been great. Um, some really good uh, insights and experiences. Where can people find out more about you uh, and your projects online? Sure. On Twitter, I am uh, Eric Farkas. Uh, my blog is at ericfarkas.com, and uh, the project that I'm working on now, Talent Soup, is talentsoup.com. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Avni. Appreciate it. And that is our show for today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Go to yteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store. The Y-Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm, signing off. Why, 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 why